welcome to the Brain Break Room. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Taylor, and I'm your friendly neighborhood scientist back after quite a hiatus. Now, why have I literally dusted off my microphone? Well, frankly, because anti-trans legislation is being proposed and sometimes even passed in many states across the U.S., which is alarming for many, many reasons. The one that I'm going to focus on today is that denying gender-affirming care ignores a mountain, I almost said a literal mountain, a figurative mountain of scientific evidence showing its benefit. Before we get to what gender-affirming care is and the evidence for it, we should start with who we're talking about possibly receiving gender-affirming care. There are multiple gender identity terms you may hear that all mean something slightly different. Transgender, non-binary, and gender non-conforming are just a few. So let's break them down. Transgender is an umbrella term for when your gender identity does not match the gender you were thought to be at birth. Gender is a set of societal and cultural expectations for how you exist in the world, and these expectations are often driven by your sex and the related biological factors. So there are many, many layers to unpack here. Back to transgender. So this includes, at a minimum, trans women, trans men, and non-binary people. So non-binary people is a term for when you don't identify as fully male or female. Therefore, you don't fit in with the concept of the gender binary. This is the bucket that I happen to fall into. So I was assigned female at birth and I realized I only felt like a woman if woman was an infinite category that included many, many ways of being that don't fit nicely into the binary category that we societally have collectively assigned to womanhood which makes me non-binary. So another term that is sometimes used interchangeable with non-binary is genderqueer, which means you experience and express gender in a non-normative way. I will sometimes use these interchangeably as well. Some people will have a preference for one and not the other. It's up to, it's up to the people. Okay, just a couple more to run through. So gender non-conforming is another broad term that means the way you act, present in the way you just are does not conform to the existing cultural and social expectations about what is appropriate to your gender. This is just a collection of terms that people use to express their gender identity. And there are actually many more. So brief sidebar, I think one of the really exciting things about the gender space and um, really innovation that's happening right now is that the way people are taking limitations of the language we currently have, they're saying, I don't feel like there's a way to put words to communicate who I am and how I identify. And so they're developing new terms that feel closer to their authentic selves. It's awesome. So one I learned about recently from a friend is audit gender. So this is a term that some people on the autism spectrum use to describe how their gender identity is influenced or even inseparable from their autistic identity. It's a beautiful example of how people are being really innovative and creative to find ways to communicate who they are in this big jumbled mess of expectations, pressures, and labels that we have. Okay, 
So now that we have some common language to work with around gender identity, let's go on to gender affirming care. Gender affirming care is actually a pretty broad term as well. It's an approach to medical treatment that acknowledges the potential damage of gender dysphoria and the existence of an array of treatments and tools to combat the negative health effects of gender dysphoria. So gender dysphoria is the serious emotional distress related to the difference between the gender someone is thought to be at birth and the gender they know themselves to be. And it can affect your health and everyday life. And gender dysphoria, when untreated, is connected to higher rates of depression, anxiety, self-harm, and suicidality in children, adolescents, and adults. So across the lifespan, gender dysphoria can be really harmful. And just to put some um, pretty upsetting numbers to it, one study that looked at the experiences of over 2,000 children suggests that gender non-conforming children were five times more likely than gender-conforming children to talk about suicide. They were 8.6 more likely to um, self-harm or attempt suicide. That's, that's pretty astonishing. And there are all kinds of other stats out there as well. I don't want to harp on this um, too much, but those are the numbers. And one thought you might have, other than this is horrifying is okay, but these higher rates could be related to other things, not gender dysphoria. Well, you and these scientists are on the same page because they controlled for all kinds of other factors like behavioral problems, bullying, other peer relationships to show that the negative health outcomes are related to gender dysphoria itself, not these other factors. And this is important because it means that while your health can worsen due to gender dysphoria, it can also improve if you address gender dysphoria. As the National Center for Transgender Equality puts it, quote, gender dysphoria can often be relieved by expressing one's gender in a way that the person is comfortable with. This is also known as gender-affirming care. Okay, end of Sarah <laughs> input parentheses. And back to the quote, that can include dressing and grooming in a way that reflects who one knows they are, using a different name or pronoun, and for some, taking medical steps to physically change their bodies. And now, Sarah insertion again. Um, I think this next part is super important. Quote, all major medical organizations in the United States recognize that living according to one's gender identity is an effective, safe, and medically necessary treatment for many people that have gender dysphoria. Wowza. So one example of one of these medical organizations is the American Medical Association. It is a professional association and lobbying group of physicians and medical students that has over 270,000 members as of last year. It was founded in 1847 in Philadelphia, though it's now headquartered in Chicago, and its stated mission is to, quote, promote the art and science of medicine and the betterment of public health, end quote. Well, we can get behind that, and we can also get behind the organization's latest stance. So it has repeatedly pointed to the evidence for the benefit of gender-affirming care, so one of the American Medical Association, or AMA, one of their board members, Dr. Michael Souk, was quoted in a 2021 press release summing up their position, saying, quote, 
The AMA opposes the dangerous intrusion of government into the practice of medicine and criminalization of health care decision-making. And gender-affirming care is medically necessary, evidence-based care that improves physical and mental health of transgender and gender-diverse people. We're going to take a quick break, and then we will be back. Ba-ba-ba-ba, spark plug! Yay, we're back with spark plugs, talking about things that really get me excited and motivated and inspired. So today's spark plug, I have two of them. They're both related to today's topic. So the first is that the Transgender Law Center is pretty amazing. It was founded in 2002. It is a trans-specific, trans-led organization, the largest in the U.S., and they do advocacy um, and also a bunch of litigation specifically geared towards freeing transgender people from discrimination. Their work is pretty amazing and has been inspiring as always and especially lately. And then another group that has been, well, know if it's a group. It's just an Instagram account that has bringing me um, a lot of transgender related news, stories, and joy is them. T-H-E-M. That's it. So if you want updates on what's going on, if you are looking for some feel good related to the trans and non-binary community, this is it. Okay, that's the end of my spark plug. And we are back. So remember I was talking about how the American Medical Association said that gender-affirming care is medically necessary and evidence-based? Let's talk about some of the evidence. So the evidence itself is overwhelming. I'm just going to talk about a couple big studies. So one study of 100 transgender and non-binary people aged 13 to 20, so they're categorized as youths, found that receiving puberty blockers and or gender-affirming hormones led to 60% lower odds of depression and a whopping 73% lower odds of suicidality over a year. I just have to pause because that is such a big number. Also, interesting thing, there wasn't any relationship between these particular treatments and anxiety. They tested for it, didn't find anything. So this study also controlled for variables that they thought could affect the results. And I'm going to list the whole set of variables because I think it's um, really impressive and also really important that these studies are being done in a really rigorous and responsible way. So they controlled for self-reported gender, race and ethnicity, age, caregiver income, insurance type, ongoing mental health therapy, whether the participant felt like their gender identity was a source of tension between their parents and guardians, alcohol and drug use, and resilience. So even after controlling for all of those things, they still saw this huge benefit of gender-affirming care. I mean, 73% lower odds of suicidality, that is truly astonishing to me. And that is why people refer to gender-affirming care as potentially life-saving. They mean it literally. Another study that I'm going to talk about used survey data from the U.S. Transgender Survey that was um, collected in 2015. So this asked over, ready, big number coming, 
27,000 transgender adults across all 50 states and in D.C., U.S. territories, and U.S. military bases abroad. They asked them about surgical and mental health experiences. So that's a staggering number of people and experiences to learn from. And the study found that transgender adults that had one or more types of gender-affirming surgery had 57% chance of less psychological distress, 65% chance of less smoking over the last year, and 56% chance of less suicidal ideation. So the big takeaway from this study for me is that gender-affirming care can lead to health benefits across your life, not just when you get it, but long after. And isn't a happier and healthier life what we want for ourselves and everyone around us? I mean, yeah. Yeah, it is. So before I wrap up, I want to say that these studies and many more like them show the benefits of gender-affirming care. And they're not arguing for every transgender, non-binary, or gender non-conforming person to receive a certain type of treatment. Some transgender folks don't experience gender dysphoria at all. Some, like me, benefit from gender affirmation in their day-to-day life without medical intervention, like hormones or surgery. For me, using pronouns that feel right, wearing clothes that feel right, having a haircut that feels right... Having my loved ones use terms of endearment that feel right and make me feel cozy. And talking to my therapist about ways to affirm my gender and my thoughts, actions, and community are what I need to feel my healthiest and most confident self. For just a little piece of anecdotal non-scientific evidence, I can say that realizing my non-binaryness and actively affirming it day to day has nearly eliminated my social anxiety and has had me experiencing more joy than ever before. I have happy tears happening now. It's it's really amazing how transformative transformative it is to have gender affirming care even if it's gender affirming self-care. And with that, I will close the episode. Thank you so much for listening. This episode's topic is obviously very personal for me and that you took the time to listen means a lot. And if you have someone in your life as part of the trans community, send them a little extra love. Um, If you don't have someone in your life directly or do and want to do more, there's so many ways to support trans and gender nonconforming people, whether it's local trans-led businesses, local, national, and international organizations and support groups, and more. And if you are a trans, non-binary, gender non-conforming human, hello, I love you. Let's take care of ourselves and each other however we can. Oh, man, that was a big one. Okay, thank you so much for listening. Again, resources are in the show notes. Everything I use today is linked. And with that, I hope I see you next time, whenever it is, back here in the Brain Breaker. Bye.